So uh, as the video said, this title of this series is If. And we're going to spend five weeks this morning and four more weeks to come looking at this, what's really a very small word, but has a huge um, amount of consequences. I mean, the word if, just two letters, but really, if you think about it, it plays out so much in our lives, has so many consequences. I was thinking about the idea of if, and um, Andy jogged my memory a few weeks ago. He talked about a trip that he and his wife had taken to Hawaii, and it reminded me of a trip that my wife and I had taken to Hawaii. And uh, this was in 2010. It was my 40th birthday that year, and I decided that I just did not, was not excited about turning the big 4-0. So if I'm going to turn 40, I don't want to turn 40 in February in Washington, Illinois. I want to turn 40 in Hawaii. And it was a great day. It was a great place to turn 40. We, at that particular time, um, it was the only state in the United States that didn't have snow. Even Florida that year was getting snow up in the, the north part of Florida. And we were in Hawaii and it was not snowing. I can tell you that. It was beautiful. It was fantastic. It was our wedding anniversary as well. February 14th is our anniversary. So we got to celebrate our wedding anniversary, my birthday. It was just a great trip. But I was thinking about it in the context of if. Because if American Airlines didn't fly to Hawaii, this picture would not have taken place. Now, some of you are like, well, Dave, you could have taken a boat. No, we couldn't. Because if I hadn't have taken my wife on a boat on our honeymoon and made her incredibly sick and vowed never to go on a boat again, then boats would be an option. But unfortunately, uh, that is no longer an option for Mrs. Jane. But um, if American Airlines didn't offer flights that day, we wouldn't have been there. If pilots hadn't been trained, if engineers hadn't figured out how to build these aircrafts, then, then this picture never would have happened. I mean, think about it. Let's go back a bit further. If the Wright brothers hadn't figured out how to fly, how to, to, to get man up off the ground, internet, then this picture may never have happened. There are many things, that, many ifs that had to take place over a period of time for this event, us to be at this luau on this beautiful evening in Hawaii, to take place. There were other ifs. If when I got down on one knee and asked Casey if she would be my wife, if she said no, that picture wouldn't be there. Fortunately, she said yes. A couple of months prior to that, I had to go to my father-in-law's house, my future father-in-law, and I had to build up the courage to ask him if he would allow me to take his daughter's hand in marriage. He did not make it easy for me. He made me sweat it out. He knew exactly what it was I was there to ask, and he really kind of made me, made me really feel anxious and have to, but if he had said no, then this picture would not have taken place. If I hadn't come to America in the first place, in 1994, to start up this missions program, I never would have met Casey. This picture would have never taken place. And we can do that, can't we? We can look in our lives at different things and think, man, if this hadn't have happened, and if this hadn't, and if this, and, and if, 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 then this wouldn't be there. It's such a powerful word, isn't it? The word if. Did you know that there are 1,784 ifs in the Bible? Most of those ifs, they actually function as what's called a conditional conjunction. That means you'll find them in phrases like, if my people will do this, or if you will do this, then God will do this. There are some promises that God has for us that are wrapped up, tied to that word, if. So all that may stand between your current circumstance and your wildest dreams is one little if. One little if could change everything. 
on August 15th, 1987, a man by the name of Howard Schultz was faced with one of the toughest decisions of his life. Whether or not to buy a small chain of coffee houses with a strange name, Starbucks. Knowing what we know now, this seems like a no-brainer, but at the time, this was a huge if for him. The cost was $3.8 million. And in his memoir, Pour Your Heart Into It, he talks about that moment in his life. He said, this is my moment, I thought. If I don't seize this opportunity, if I don't step out of my comfort zone and risk it all, if I let too much time tick on, my moment will pass. I knew that if I didn't take advantage of this opportunity, I would replay it in my mind for my whole life, wondering what if. Now you might think, well, at the time, surely, I mean, this is a guy, maybe he had lots of money, maybe this is, this is a guy who at the time was earning $75,000 a year, but his passion for coffee caused him to take this huge step of faith, this huge leap to raise and borrow $3.8 million to buy this coffee company. Starbucks stock went public five years later on June 26, 1992. It was the second most actively traded stock that day. And by the closing bell, its market value was $273 million which isn't bad for a $3.8 million investment. But just like Schultz said, I didn't want to spend my life replaying that moment and wondering, what if? So in this series, we're going to focus on the idea of this word, if. We're going to spend the next four weeks really digging down into four kind of if phrases, if ideas that I think every one of us at some point has probably faced. Next week, we're going to start off with this idea of if only, if only. If only is a phrase that often can keep us stuck in a moment as we live with some regrets and wishes that we wish had gone differently. Some moments in our past where we we just can't let go of because we keep thinking back, if only that had worked out, if only I hadn't have done that. We're going to talk about the idea of how, how much that can have a grip on us at times. Following that, we're going to spend a week talking about this idea of as if, as if. It's going to help us focus on the faith that we need sometimes to move forwards. The faith and the confidence that only God himself can give us. The kind of faith that's going to help us move away from the regrets of if only and step into the potential of what if. What if? You see, I think that's third week is where God's going to want to start taking us towards the idea of what if. We'll look at the endless possibilities and dreams that we have in our lives. Very often dreams that God himself gave us. Those what if moments. What if I tried this? What if we stepped out and did this? The last week we're going to kind of wrap up with this idea of no ifs, ands, or buts about it. We're going to talk about courage. How very often this, these what-if dreams, the only obstacle between them becoming a dream and a reality is the ifs, ands, and buts that we put in the way. The obstacles that we ourselves, the, 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 the thoughts we, we dwell upon where we think, well, I'm not sure if I could. and I'm The courage that God wants to give us to step out. You know, another cool thing about this series, the series is based on a book by an author by the name of Mark Batterson. He's a pastor of a church in Washington, D.C., 
And in the book, he looks at this whole idea of if, he looks at these subjects, but he looks at all of them through the lens of just one chapter in the Bible, and that chapter is Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. So over these next four weeks of this series, not only are we going to look at these if ideas, but we're going to look at them through what Paul writes to the church in Rome in Romans chapter 8. You see, Romans chapter 8 is a great chapter. The book of Romans is a great book. It's written to a group of people who um, were known as the Gentiles, okay? Rome was a very large city, and there were a lot of people that lived in Rome that didn't grow up Jewish, didn't grow up Hebrew. They weren't uh, familiar with what the Israelites knew. So Paul's writing to them because he's explaining that Jesus has died and risen again. And that his plan was to come to rescue the likes of you and me and the people that lived back then. And up till then, the whole story of God and his redemption story had been to, to the people of Israel. And Paul's explaining, well, that's all about to change. So he writes this, this letter to these people in Rome. We know it's the book of Romans. And a big part of this letter is to explain to these Gentiles, these people that didn't grow up in Jewish families, exactly who Jesus was and why he had to come. So it's a great letter to read. And Romans 8 is right in the middle of this letter. It's an incredible chapter. There's a theologian and pastor by the name of John Piper. He calls the eighth chapter of Romans the greatest chapter in the Bible. He says in shorthand, I like to call it the great eight. Martin Luther lived a long time ago. He called Romans chapter eight the clearest gospel of them all. William Tyndale was a man who was, who was martyred. He was killed for his stand for Jesus. He translated the Bible from Latin to English so that common people could read it. And because of it, the church had him killed. But William Tyndale, when talking about um, Romans chapter 8, he called it the most excellent part of the New Testament. And it is. If you read Romans chapter 8, it starts out with this great verse saying that there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. It's full of some great truth and it, it wraps up and it says that... Um, there's, there's nothing that can ever separate us from God's love. So I'd like to ask a favor of you. During this series, over the next four or five weeks, spend some time just reading through Romans chapter 8. Maybe it's just once, maybe it's a couple of times, maybe it's once a week, but, but read that chapter. It's a great chapter to read. And every time you read it, I think you'll, you'll get more out of it, but it'll really help you as we look at this idea of the word if. Because if you think about it, if in our lives, it's a huge word. I mean, think of all the things in your life that, that changed, that took place just because of an if. If I don't ask this girl to marry me, I'm going to regret it the rest of my life. If we don't come up with some kind of financial plan, we're going to be stuck in this situation forever. If I don't have a tough conversation with that friend of mine, they're going to continue to hurt me. If I don't take a chance and quit this job to pursue my dream, I may end up spending the rest of my life wondering what would have happened. If I jump off this pier before I figure out how deep the water is for sure, I may end up wishing I didn't jump. That happened to me. That's a story for another day. You know, you can probably trace a, a lot of those big life changes all the way back to an if moment. 
And one of the greatest examples I was thinking of this week, because I wanted to kind of set the stage for this word, if. I wanted to really kind of talk about the idea that if isn't a stagnant word. If isn't a word that, you know, if actually creates movement, momentum. If creates change in our lives. For good or for bad, if will change things if you'll let it. And I found one of the greatest examples of this, and this is found in this amazing story Way back in the Old Testament, we can read about it in 1 Samuel chapter 14. We're going to look at it together briefly this morning. At the time, the king of Israel was a man named Saul. Uh, The Israelites were battling their enemy at the time with the Philistines. Under Saul's command, the Israelite army numbered 3,000 men, but the Philistines, they outnumbered them dramatically. They had an army of 3,000 chariots. 6,000 charioteers, and the Bible says, as many warriors as the grains of sand on the seashore. You can read in 1 Samuel chapter 14 that the men of Israel were trembling with fear, hiding in caves, thickets, rocks, holes, and cisterns. You can also read that Saul had a son. Saul's son's name was Jonathan. And Jonathan, together with his armor bearer, They'd had enough. They were surrounded by the enemy. Everyone was hiding. Everyone was cowering, just waiting for the Philistines to come in and kill them. And Saul's son, Jonathan, he had enough faith to believe, well, maybe God has a plan to get us out of this. So in 1 Samuel chapter 14, we learn that Jonathan and this armor bearer, his armor bearer was the guy who would carry his weapons They come up with this idea. Listen to what Jonathan says in 1 Samuel 14. One day, Jonathan said to his armor bearer, come on, let's go over to where the Philistines have their outpost. But Jonathan did not tell his father, Saul, what he was doing. Let's go across to the outpost of those pagans, Jonathan said to his armor bearer. Perhaps the Lord will help us. For nothing can hinder the Lord. He can win a battle whether he has many warriors or only a few. I love this. I love this man, Jonathan. He says, hey, you know what? We could sit around here or we could go out and fight. Why don't we go over there and, hey, perhaps God will show up. Maybe God will rescue us. I mean, prior to this, you can read these faith-filled accounts of men and women of God who God would speak to and they would lead people across the Red Sea or rescue um, spies and lower them through windows or march around the city of Jericho, all because God has spoke to them and they followed what he told them to do. But in this situation, we come across Jonathan, who's fed up sitting around, who believes in a mighty God who has done great things and who finally comes up with a very big if. And that's where if starts, isn't it? If starts with an idea. Jonathan's idea was, if we go over there, perhaps the Lord will help us. Perhaps the Lord will help us. Let's march into the middle of a huge army, completely outnumbered, into an enemy that can't wait to slaughter us. And hey, maybe God will help us. How do you like those odds? I've got to think, his armor bearer at that time is like, seriously? <laughs> this is the guy I've got to follow? <laughs> Maybe he's questioning at that point, who else needs an armor bearer? You know, I, I relate to Jonathan. I like Jonathan. 
It's because I kind of live with that same um, idealistic optimism. It drives my wife nuts. Because we'll go through situations and there'll be something he's doing in the car or the house. Or there'll be something. And, and, and normally I'll default to, I'm sure it'll be fine. Should we check that? Should we do it? No, it'll, it'll be fine. <laughs> drives Casey mad. I was talking to her this week and I said, hey, I'm going to talk about this idea because Jonathan was a kind of a perhaps God kind of guy. And, and I like that because I'm like, a perhaps it'll, I'm sure it'll be okay kind of guy. She's like, you are. I was like, think of a good story I can tell. She goes, I can think of dozens of stories. Because <laughs> a lot of times it is fine, but not all the time. In fact, there was one time she reminded me of when our kids were younger and we were in Florida and we were down near Miami and we decided to go out on a, uh, a trip we'd heard about to the Everglades where you go out on this boat and you can see alligators and it sounded fantastic. So I'm like, come on, let's go get the whole family there. We're all there. And my boys are younger at the time. And Emma, my daughter, she's a baby. She's like one years old. And um, we get to the edge of this boat. And uh, I've got a picture. This isn't the boat I was on, so don't stare too hard. None of those people are me. But um, we don't have a picture of the boat we were on because, as you're going to hear in a moment, it wasn't the most wonderful family situation. We didn't take a lot of pictures that day. But um, we're going to ride this boat, okay? And as we get close to getting on the boat, Casey's like, are you sure, Emma? It's okay to go on this boat. I'm not sure if I should be taking a baby on this. I'm, she'll be fine. I'm sure it'll be okay, I said. So we get onto this boat, and um, the guy's like, do you want earplugs for your baby? And Case like, do I need them? He goes, yeah, probably. So he gets these two like, earplugs, and Case tries to put them in, and they don't fit properly, and she has to hold them in. And, and then we discover why he's offered earplugs, because this boat starts up, and it might as well have been a jet engine. That fan, there's, I mean, that's like, like a small, quiet fan. It's like, Rah! and instantly, Emma just starts screaming and crying. And we're on this boat for about an hour, going all around, looking at alligators. Emma's screaming. Every time we go any speed, it will get loud again. She starts screaming. Emma's squeezing her head. I'm looking at Casey, and she's giving me the look like this was a terrible idea. And in that moment, I'm sure it'll be fine. Didn't work out. But a lot of the other times it does, okay? So that's, that's what I'm going to stick with, okay? That um, I'm sure it'll be okay. But when it's perhaps God, I think your odds are a little bit better than perhaps Dave Jane, okay? I would just give you that advice this morning. So Jonathan doesn't know for sure. He's kind of being idealistic, optimistic, but he says, hey, perhaps God will show up. So off they go. Jonathan and his armor bearer, they cross this valley. They got the side of this mountain to where the enemy are camped. And in verse eight, we read, all right then, Jonathan told him, we will cross over and we'll let them see us. If they say to us, stay where you are or we'll kill you, then we will stop and we will not go up to them. But, if they say, come on up and fight, then we'll go up. That will be the Lord's sign that he will help us to defeat them. So we come across a couple of ifs there, don't we? If they say to us, stay where you are, we'll stay where we are. But if they say, come on up and fight, then we'll go up because we'll know the Lord is with us. Now, I've got to be honest. Here's where Jonathan and I are a little bit different. You see, if I'm believing that God's going to be with me, this verse is going to read differently for Dave Jane. Okay, if Dave Jane was writing this verse, it would read like this. We'll cross over there and let them see us. If they say, stay where you are, or we'll kill you, then we will stop and not go up to them. But if they all mysteriously drop dead in front of us, then we'll go up. Because <laughs> then I'll know that the Lord's with me. <laughs> if they all surrender... 
If they all run away screaming, then I'll be like, okay, two of us, thousands of them, I'm good with this. But not Jonathan. He's not even asking God for a miracle here. He's just saying, God, I just need to know that you're with me. I'm willing to get out there and do some fighting. I'm willing to swing the sword and and do what needs to be done here. I just want to know, God, are you with me? I've got this idea. I'm going to step out. And if God is with us, then we'll know it's the right thing to do. If starts with an idea. But then often, if leads to action. I love that, the idea that if can lead us to action. In 1 Samuel 14, verse 11, it says, Then the Philistines saw them coming. They shouted, Look, the Hebrews are crawling out of their holes. Then the men from the outpost shouted to Jonathan, Come up here and we'll teach you a lesson. That was the sign that God was with them. Come on, climb right behind me, Jonathan said to his armor bearer, for the Lord will help us defeat them. So they climbed up using both hands and feet and the Philistines fell before Jonathan and his armor bearer, killing those who came behind them. They killed some 20 men in all and their bodies were scattered over about half an acre. I just can picture this like a scene from Braveheart. They're just climbing up this hill. Jonathan's killing enemies in front of him. His armor bearer's behind, taking out the guys behind. It's an amazing thing. I mean, already there's only two of them, and they've already killed 20 of the enemy. But I'm not seeing a miracle here. I'm seeing two guys that are pretty tough and pretty capable in battle, but I'm not seeing a miracle There's two of them. They've taken out 20. But even to two tough guys like this, there's a limit. There are thousands of Philistines. They have to realize that this if idea may not have been a great idea. That this could well be an impossible task. But then something amazing happens. Something amazing happens. We're going to read the verse in a second, but what happens next um, is kind of like if, if you're a Star Wars fan here this morning, okay, you'll remember there's a scene in that original Star Wars movie. It's the, the scene where Luke Skywalker, at the very end of the movie, he has to take out the Death Star. He's just, just crazy odds. There's no way he's going to do it, but, but somehow they do battle all these different fighter ships and they do battle and then Luke ends up right down where he needs to be by the Death Star and already it's like, this is a amazing. He's overcome such odds. But deep down, you still know there's just no way. There's just no way Luke can do this. Luke, you've already done great, but there's no way you're going to do this. And then suddenly, if you've seen the movie, you'll remember there's this scene where you're just about to give up on him. And Han Solo reappears in the Millennium Falcon. He shows up. He starts blasting some of the enemy. And you're like, yeah. If you're a Star Wars fan, this one, you are right there with me. You know exactly what I'm talking about. If you're not, I apologize. <laughs> You're there like, I don't get it at all. I don't even know why the USS Enterprise didn't come along and help them. I mean, maybe you're like, just, you don't know what's going on. But there's this moment where, as you're watching that movie, it's something like, yes. And I don't care if it's the first time you've watched it or the 20th time you watch it. You still get that excitement when that extra ship comes in and you realize he's going to do it. Listen to what happened in verse 15. Suddenly, Panic broke out in the Philistine army, both in the camp and in the field, including even the outposts and the raiding parties. And just then, an earthquake struck, and everyone was terrified. 
Saul's lookouts in Gibeah of Benjamin, they saw this strange sight. The vast army of Philistines began to melt away in every direction. For Jonathan, if was simply an idea. If we go up, perhaps God will rescue us. If led to action, he went and with his own two hands, he took out 20 of the enemy soldiers. But then if caused God to show up. As we read on, we discover that that fear and confusion, it starts to spread across the entire Philistine camp. At the same time, boldness starts to arise in the Israelites who had been hiding in holes and, and carrying and thinking, hey, God's at work here. They come out of their hiding place. They begin an assault that finally leads to victory over the Philistines. And I believe the same God that was with the Philistines back then is with us this morning. That in your life, whatever you're facing, I think God wants to help you. And that it all starts with an if. The if of an idea, the if of you taking that first step. Trusting that, hey, if God's with me, perhaps this plan, this dream I've got, this, this next step for our family's life, perhaps it will work out. And for those of you this morning as followers of Jesus, many of you could share this story that, that as you stepped out, that God showed up and helped you once you'd taken that first step yourself. Because I think if always leads to some kind of movement. And over the next four weeks, we're going to tackle the outcome, the, the results, the obstacles that if produces in our life. We actually think this subject is so important. We'd love for you, if you're part of a small group, to talk about this in your small groups. We're going to provide you with questions that you can speak about in your small groups. If you're not part of a small group and you'd like to, to join one just for the next five weeks, we'd love for you to do that. You can talk to Andy in the foyer after service. You can go to the website, connectwashington.org, and click on the groups tab. It'll show you there how you can get connected to some, some groups that are open. If you want to just get together with some friends here in this service, some people you know, and say, hey, why don't we just get together over the next three or four weeks and, and talk about this series together so that after we've heard it spoken about on a Sunday, we don't just go away and forget about it until the following Sunday. We actually talk about it and see how that can be applicable in our lives. We'll provide you with some questions each week based on that message that you can help kind of talk about with one another. If you want to know what those questions are, even if you can't be a part of a small group, but you'd like to go through those questions yourself, you can download, there's an app called YouVersion, the Bible app. It's available in the Apple Store or the Google Store, whichever type of phone you've got. It's a great app to have, no matter what. But if you have that app, just it's, it's very simple. We've set this up. You can go to the bottom right-hand corner. There are three little lines, and you click on that. It says More. And when you click on that more button, you'll be presented with the menu that you see on the screen behind me. The word events, if you click on events, when you click on that, Connect Church will show up as one of the events in your area. And when you click on Connect Church, you'll see each week a layout of the discussion, the verses you can read, the questions. You can read those together in your small group. You can read it yourself as kind of a devotional during the week. But we're hoping that you'll take this whole if idea just one step further than a Sunday morning. Because like with the story of Jonathan, if leads to move, movement, if leads to change, if leads to things happening. And I believe God's going to use if 
to bring about some change in some of your lives over these next four or five weeks in, in all of our lives. And we want to do whatever we can to help that happen. So let's pray together, shall we? Father, I'm always inspired and challenged by the faith of Jonathan, who didn't just sit there and wait for you to tell him it was time to go. He just, he knew who you were. He knew the characteristics and the nature of God. And he said to his alma bearer, we need to just get out there and do what's right. And perhaps God will show up and help us. Because the God I know is the kind of God that will step in and help and rescue us. Rescue his people like he has so many times before. That if, that faith step of if, if led to, to action, which ultimately led to God showing up. And we want to see that happen in our lives. We want to see God showing up in our lives. So help us, God, over these next four or five weeks as we think about this very small and simple word, but the very big and major implications it can have in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.